press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, September 8. Don't expect any handouts at the October budget. Treasurer Jim Chalmers is breaking the bad news, saying government payments would just risk making the Reserve Bank even more aggressive in raising interest rates. New figures show the economy is in rude health, growing by 3.8% over the year to June. Independent Senator David Pocock is worried about Labor's plan to abolish the cashless debit card, warning there was not sufficient consultation with affected communities, as promised by the government. It's a controversial issue in Indigenous communities where some leaders say the removal of the card will exacerbate social problems. More than 7,000 Chinese citizens have been granted $5 million golden ticket visas to buy a pathway to Australian citizenship. But in the 10 years the scheme has operated, not a single applicant has ever been rejected under the character test. We'll find out why later in the episode. First up today, American football's been grappling with concussion for a decade. And finally, the issues arrived in Australia in a big way. The front's Kristen Amiot has the story. When Chris Nowinski sought treatment for the post-concussion syndrome he suffered as a result of his long career in professional wrestling and gridiron, he didn't know it would set him on a path to global advocacy for action on concussion. For the kids who don't understand those risks, yeah. is, is the solution to stop hitting kids in the head. Now Nowinski has set up shop in Australia and he's asked local NRL legend James Graham to join in the mission at his Concussion Legacy Foundation. Jessica Halloran is the Australian's chief sports writer and joins me now. Jess, who is Chris Nowinski and why is Australia in his sights? Yeah, well, Chris Nowinski is a former Harvard gridiron player turned pro wrestler and over that sporting career he suffered a number of concussions and so Chris Nowinski has launched the Concussion Legacy Foundation in Canada and in the US and just this week he's launched it here in Australia and as part of the launch here he's unveiled a campaign called Stop Hitting Kids in the Head which is basically trying to raise awareness around the fact that repetitive head injuries sort of stem from childhood in these professional athletes and even you would say bush footballers. It's talking about, I guess, how long people are playing contact sports rather than those one or two big knockouts and raising awareness around that concussion issue is actually a long-term issue rather than the short, big knockouts that we sometimes see. And it's really pushing for kids under the age of 14 to absolutely not be involved in any collision or contact. And if you speak to most neurologists or neuroscientists, they'll back that up. And James Graham is an NRL player who suffered 100 concussions in his career. He's also the host of the Australian's new podcast, Head Noise. He's been invited to join the board of the Concussion Legacy Foundation in Australia. Graham has experienced a fairly significant turnaround in his own position on concussion. And as a result, he's clashed with a number of figures on it, one of whom is former Wallaby Peter Fitzsimons. How have they differed on this issue of concussion in the past? 
Back in 2019, James Gray made a really what was deemed quite an edgy comment at the time in that you just had to kind of endure being hit in the head and if you didn't want to be hit in the head playing rugby league, then go and play Elstag. And that outraged Peter Fitzsimons at the time and he wrote a column saying how irresponsible James was in saying something like that and he went on to go and really rip into James so much so that For the first time in James Graham's professional sporting career, he actually publicly responded to a journalist and ended up releasing this lengthy statement, ripping into Peter Fitzsimons and this view that he was being irresponsible and that he was downplaying the seriousness of concussion. I mean, yes, James has had a slight turnaround in that he doesn't think it should be in the players' hands to decide If they should go back on the field, he absolutely believes it needs to be in the governing body's hands. But he also has always maintained he's been really curious about this subject and has done his own research and hence he's now doing a podcast investigation, head noise, getting his brain scanned, doing all the tests he possibly can to find out what his brain health actually is after those 100 concussions. He and Peter Fitzsimons appeared together last night at the Concussion Legacy Foundation's panel. Do you stand by those remarks now? Look, I'm not going to betray my former self. That's who I was. Mm. It's a hypothetical question where people say, well, if you go back, would you change who you were or how you acted? Well, I can't. But what I can do is look to the future. So when you're speaking to a 22-year-old version of James Graham, what would be your advice now to somebody like you going as hard as you went? Well, Peter, if there's one thing I know about athletes, it's who they listen to and why they do what they do. And that's for their teammates and their coaches. But what would you say to them if you could? I I, I wouldn't say anything because I know that these people don't listen. They don't want to hear from me, a former player that's basked in the glory to saying what I did was wrong. The coaches need to be involved. The coaches need to deliver the message to the athletes because that's who athletes listen to. Here's where they landed on the issue. It's complex. It starts with conversations like this. We figure it out. We provide solutions. We give people information, not necessarily fear. Part of that information will be quite fearful, confronting, but give them the information to make informed decisions and shift the culture. We need people who were once on opposite sides of the debate to look each other in the eye, stand up and give each other a handshake. What do you say? (laughs) That was The Front's Kristen Amiot speaking with The Australian's chief sports writer, Jessica Halloran. Our podcast, Head Noise, is available now wherever you get your podcasts. After the break, the scheme that's seen Australian citizenship up for sale. Access a world of true crime podcasts on CrimeX Plus, where award-winning journalists take a deep dive into unsolved cases. Every week, we're waking up to a dead woman, a dead mother, sister, auntie, grandmother. It's not good enough. From the team that brought you The Teacher's Pet, Shadow of Doubt and Dying Rose, unlock early, ad-free and bonus content from brand new series and flagship shows such as I Catch Killers with Gary Jubilin. One was shot in the mouth and I thought he was dead. Another one had been shot with a shotgun and I got the overspray. Search for CrimeX Plus on Apple Podcasts to start digging deep into the world of true crime. 
Australian citizenship is for sale. It's been dubbed the golden ticket visa, and each year thousands of Chinese nationals are granted automatic permanent residency into Australia for $5 million. And just about anyone can apply. In fact, in the past 10 years, this visa has been running out of the 7,000 applicants no one has ever been knocked back. That's being revealed today by The Australian's New South Wales editor, Stephen Rice. Ricey, Tell me more about this visa. Is it just for Chinese nationals? It's been targeted specifically at Chinese nationals. Anyone could apply, but the original idea was let's get Chinese citizens who have a lot of super wealthy Chinese citizens have a lot of spare cash. Let's get them into the country. In fact, this visa is uh, the subclass of visa is called an 888 visa. That is the Chinese symbol for good luck. In fact, it means in Chinese numerology, it stands for triple good luck. So it dates from the olden days, back in the dim and distant past, when we were actually welcoming Chinese investment into Australia before the pandemic. True, but we are still welcoming Chinese investment. The problem is that a lot of the economic experts say that there is actually no cause for that. I mean, both the Productivity Commission and the Grattan Institute say that there is no economic benefit in allowing people to buy their way into the country by these kind of investments. They say that Australia already has enough capital flowing into it. In fact, we are a net exporter of capital. Why do we need this? All it brings, really, for the price are integrity issues about who exactly we're allowing into the country. And what these figures show is that of the 7,000 Chinese nationals who applied for visas, for these what they call significant investor visas, not a single one was rejected on the basis of character. The character test under the Migration Act includes things like criminal past, your criminal record and any criminal associations. So this back door has been left wide open. I've got to say that, of course, the majority of Chinese people who are coming to this country are great law-abiding citizens, but you'd have to be stretching credulity to figure that of the 7,000 who've been allowed these visas, not a single one had any kind of nefarious background. Probably the most famous Chinese billionaire with an interest in Australia was Wang Jiangmo. He had his citizenship application killed off on character grounds. Was he an applicant for one of these visas? We believe he was an early applicant for one of these significant investor visas. This is a, a reincarnation of a couple of different visas of very similar sorts where you essentially buy your way into the country and you're put on a path towards citizenship. But yes, Wong Chongmo was one of the people who was involved in either this or a similar scheme. I've got to point out that it wasn't the immigration department that discovered this and kicked him out. This was police security agencies became aware of the influence that this guy was having on our political institutions that caused this visa cancellation in this instance. Ricey, what do you have to do with your $5 million to qualify for one of these visas? Well, originally, believe it or not, you were actually allowed to just spend it on your own house. (laughs) And a lot of people came in very specifically to do that. But they they have since revised it. And now you have to put a portion of it in things like funds management, joint venture capital, 
equity raising, those kind of things. So what's the criminal risk here? Is it that criminals could potentially use Australia to kind of launder or park dirty money? A lot of the money wouldn't necessarily even need to be laundered because we've given them citizenship and they um, have businesses in China. They're perfectly entitled to bring large amounts of money into Australia. So it wouldn't even, in many cases, constitute criminal money laundering. They would be bringing their own money into the country. But what are the sources of that wealth? So, Rossi, how does this visa category compare to other categories of visa in terms of cancellations or refusals? The uh, previous Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, boasted just before the last election that his government in the previous three years had kicked out 4,000 people under the character test. 4,000, and yet only about 20 cancellations for people under this uh, significant investor visa. So basically, if you've come in with $5 million as a sweetener, you're very unlikely to get kicked out of Australia. Not only unlikely, you're still on a path to citizenship. And what these figures show is that more than 600 Chinese citizens have acquired Australian citizenship already under this program. Stephen Rice is The Australian's New South Wales editor. Thanks for joining us on The Front. And don't forget, you can find Australia's best news, business, sport and politics right now at theaustralian.com.au. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.